Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of April 9th, 2020, including Microsoft hosted an inside Xbox stream this week with tons of new small bits of information regarding Obsidian's Grounded and more. The ESA confirms that there are no plans for any sort of digital E3 replacement this year. Sea of Thieves is coming to Steam and more. So as we start our third or fourth week, whatever this now is, of the coronavirus pandemic that's really affecting everyone, at least now it seems like most of the world, I guess I've kind of run out of things to say about it, although it just feels like this giant elephant in the room that must be addressed because it really is the thing that absolutely everyone's talking about in all corners of the world and just in all conversations. So it's it's hard not to say something about it, but I guess what I wanted to bring up this, this week in regards to that you know, since it feels like everything else has already been said, I, w- I was uh, I was in the car at work the other day, listening to some NPR as I sometimes do if I can tolerate what I'm actually hearing. And I was actually listening to a pretty interesting conversation this astronaut, this NASA astronaut, was having with a uh, one of the hosts of, of the show, and they were talking about you know how this, this social distance movement, you know how it's been tough for a lot of people, but it's actually pretty similar to some steps they take uh, for a lot of Nash- NASA astronauts as they. Uh, prepare for a uh, flight to space, how, you know, they have to be in perfect health and they can't have any kind of thing, any kind of sickness going on, not even like a minor head cold or else those kinds of things can, those symptoms can be really exacerbated once they get out of orbit. So it's really important that before a mission to space, you know, they keep themselves quarantined for a while. They'll be, they'll be set in these like quarantine apartment things that they'll have to stay in for like sometimes weeks before a trip and, and they can't really communicate with one another. And then once they reach out to space, you know, they're even more isolated, not so much in just a, in just a being alone sense, but also just in, in the, in the sheer sense of the, the amount of distance between where they're located and, and the rest of earth, obviously. So I only bring this up to say, you know, the astronaut made this point where he said, you know, when he was out in space, you know, now they have the ability to like send emails to one another and you can be on a, on a ship in space and receive an email, you know, and it's just astonishing. But he was just talking about how he always makes the point when other astronaut colleagues of his are, are traveling or anything like that to, you know, send those emails and kind of touch base and just say hi, because a lot of times when you're in quarantine or when you're just isolated in an instance like that, something as simple as just saying hello to someone or just following up with someone just to let them know you're there. They are on your mind is uh, especially comforting and, and just really helps if something like social distancing and this kind of isolated stay at home policy is really weighing on you, which obviously I know it is for a lot of people. I know this seems to be a common trend in the gaming community at large, but obviously uh, even more so just in general, it just seems like more and more these days, just newer generations of people are really socially inept to a large extent and deal with a lot of, social dysfunctions and and kind of isolation and anxiety and I know I'm susceptible to that a lot of times as well so it uh this just kind of sparked a a series of thoughts in me and it made me want to reach out to some friends I haven't spoken to in a long time so I sent some texts this weekend to some friends uh, I haven't spoken to in a while and just let them know you know I I know we haven't talked in a while but I I hope you're doing well I'm just thinking of you and 
I hope that, you know, being cooped up inside isn't isn't really getting to your head because it's a weird situation, but to kind of touch base with old friends and, and let them know that they matter and all that. So totally unrelated mushy note to start out on, but you know, just a little PSA. If there's a if there's a friend or someone in your life you just haven't spoken to in a while, it'd be a good idea to just let them know, you know, hey, I'm thinking of you or just let them know you hope all is well because these are weird times and a lot of people are probably going really crazy being stuck in their own heads while they're home for weeks on end, just kind of isolated to whatever is in their house, just computers and video games and a refrigerator and not much outside world interaction. So I'll, I'll leave it at that, but didn't want to get too mushy, just thought it was a uh, kind of pertinent thing to mention. Aside from that, it's just been a weird week for me. I don't want to get my personal life involved too much in this podcast because obviously this is my escape where I come to talk about Xbox and pretend that the rest of the world just doesn't matter for, you know, an hour a week. And I like that. Hopefully this is what we can all come here to do when we listen to the show is just forget about all the other stresses of life and enjoy some conversation about Microsoft's gaming initiative and uh, just just focus on that for a little bit. But this has been a pretty stressful week for me in terms of focusing on really anything else at my job this week i if i had to guess i'd say about 70 percent of my of my co-workers were uh were furloughed this week and i'm very grateful to have not been a part of that that group that lost their work but at the same time i have something something of a a little bit of survivor's guilt over the whole situation as you know i'm grateful to be coming to work every day and still making a paycheck but it's just weird. Things at work are really weird. And, you know, I had a bit of family news this week that kind of um, some really unfortunate family news that's kind of been affecting me and my family a little bit um, as of this as of today. And it's just, I don't know, it's just been a weird week. So I haven't been playing a lot of games. And I guess I, I just point, bring all that out to say, excuse me if it doesn't seem like I'm in the right headspace today. I'm going to try to put out this show because I think it's really important that I do this on a weekly basis. I think it's really important to keep this show consistent because not only is it a good exercise for me in, in staying disciplined and, and just on top of this, you know, if I tell you this is a weekly podcast that you're going to get each and every Thursday, then I want to stick to that as best I can. And there's nothing really preventing me from recording, putting this out this, uh, out this week. So I'm going to go ahead and do it, but I just want to put the little warning out there that, you know, it, it may be, I may seem a little out of it this week and I don't mean to be that way, but I just hope everyone's doing well and, you know, any anyone being affected by this COVID stuff going on right now or anyone with just any unrelated matters going on in their life, just know sending out good thoughts and, and vibes as the kids say these days, but I uh, hope and all is well on your end and that uh, this podcast can help get, get your mind in a better headspace, even if only for, you know, just an hour this week. Um, so with that said, we'll get into some comments, questions, concerns from the audience uh, as pertains to last week, some, some comments you guys had in regards to everything I said all the bullshit I spewed last week. Our first one comes from Deus Criolo. So thank you for commenting for the first time. I see this is your first week of comments, sir. I, I do appreciate your your input. He says, Xbox One charging kits cost $25. Plus $60 for a controller equals $85. Face palm emoji. So yeah, that's a fair point. I know it's expensive. Uh, we were talking last week about how Xbox Series X controllers will still be AA batteries and not include a removable battery pack, although you'll be able to buy one of those separately. So I do understand the argument that maybe it would be better if they just included one removable charging pack in the console um, and then you know you can use batteries as an alternative or you can buy additional battery packs whatever you got to do 
But again, this is just one of those things about keeping costs down. You know, maybe it is a little arbitrary for a controller to cost $60 and not include the battery pack. I don't really know. But especially when it comes to like buying a console, that controller that comes with the console, you know, by by not including a charger pack, this is, this is just one of many ways that Microsoft can keep the cost down and just make it a little bit easier for, you know, them to sell and turn the thing at a profit and you to buy the thing at a more affordable price. So I, I agree it would be nice, but at this point, I'm not expecting that to be the case just because it hasn't been for the past uh, past two generations of Xbox consoles, and I don't expect the Series X to change the script on that. Our next comment here comes from my brother Josiah, who says, I actually prefer using batteries in my controller. I hate having to plug in my controller and sit near the TV. I actually bought two PS4 controllers to make sure I never had to have that position lazy for the win. So yeah, I mean, this is kind of what I was getting at last week is that that sucks. That's that's actually exactly what I was referring to is specifically my PlayStation 4. When I'm playing PS4 and the battery is low, it really sucks when I'm like, well, my only option since I only have one PS4 controller is to now plug my controller into the console and just sit super close to the TV and it just sucks. Whereas if I were playing Xbox, I could just switch the batteries in the back and all would be well. I just keep going as I was going. So I agree with that completely. And then our final comment here comes from Dead Captain James who says, this is a little clarification for something I was picking on last week. He says, the near remake name is bad, but for context, if you square the title names, it equals 1.5. So Square Enix was just trying to make an Easter egg with the naming, but it kind of fell flat a bit. And for those who need a little bit of a refresher, the the remake's called like near 1.72 string of numbers. They basically put square root of pi in the, in the in the title of the game. So I appreciate the clarification, Dead Captain James. Uh, still, though, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make fun of that anyway because that is now two franchises that Square Enix has decided to just get completely wacky with the naming conventions. I guess three if you want to include uh, Project Octopath Traveler, that Switch game. They're just really bad at naming over there at Square Enix. They need to hire a guy for that. But that's it for our comments, questions, concerns this week. Uh, For future episodes, remember, guys, don't be shy. Reply. Now we'll get into what I've been playing. But before we do, let me tell you, of course, more importantly, what I've been eating. And actually, this week I do, I do have, I do have a good one for you. So again, lockdown, not really going out to the restaurants. It's not really what's happening. But my girlfriend and I did decide after, you know, about a year of eyeing this and doing some research, I finally decided this week to pull the trigger when I was I was grocery shopping at the good old Walmart and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna buy an air fryer. I, I know they're they're affordable. I hear great things about them. I'm a little skeptical about them. And for those who don't know an air fryer, it's this thing that kinda looks like a rice cooker. It looks like a little egg pod, and you basically buy like you just you fry shit, but you don't have to add oil. So it's like instead of having a deep fryer, which is dangerous and cumbersome for any household, you basically just like go to the store, you buy your frozen French fries, you throw them this little rice cooker looking thing called an air fryer, and you put the timer on for 15 minutes, and boom, you get crispy French fries. They taste like restaurant quality. I've been super skeptical about these things, but I finally decided to go ahead and get one, and boy, am I glad I did. They I, I got one for 40 bucks. I got one of the cheap ones. And this shit's amazing. We got we got frozen checkers fries. We got fro- frozen fish fillets. We got some fucking chicken wings. And just I've been frying shit left and right, trying to get my cholesterol through the roof and everything. And goddamn, this thing's amazing. Like let me tell you, like we like checkers, the fast food restaurant checkers. They make their own frozen food French fries that you can get at like the grocery store. When you put them in the air fryer, they taste exactly like the restaurant. Like not like close. I mean exactly like the drive-through. It's amazing. 
And these things, it's just, I gotta, I gotta put it out there. You know, if you're in quarantine, if you're accidentally losing weight because you're having to eat home cooked food and you can't have your fast food fix, please go get yourself an air fryer, go get yourself some frozen checkers fries, pop this shit in. You will not regret it. This mark my fucking words. The air fryer is what's going to end my life because this is like, this is too convenient to have access to great food fried food at home like this and uh i'm i'm pretty into the air fryer so definitely big two thumbs up there if anyone out there has been interested in an air fryer highly highly recommend one but with that said we will now get into what i've been playing uh like i said it's been kind of a crazy week but i guess i got a little more gaming in than i thought i i did now that i look back at it last week i told you i got to the very end of record but didn't quite finish it well this week i did i, I put in that last like i just popped on a podcast to try to just think about something else for a little while. Um, I just grinded some levels and collected some more little spheres that you need and prismatic prismatic cores is what they're called. And I just, I, I collected a couple more and I got everything I needed, went over to the final boss and, and kicked his ass and credits rolled. It got my achievement. It was all good. So I finally finished ReCore. I got to say that game, it, it is like objectively like a five or six out of 10. It's not a great game. But I just really enjoyed the hell out of it, even though it had moments where it frustrated me. It had moments where I wanted to kind of quit playing the game. But I, at the end of the day, I'm really glad I saw it through the end. It really is a, a fun game. It is a Jesse game through and through. You definitely see a little bit of Mega Man, a little bit of Metroid Prime in the game. So it feels like both studios um, that worked on it, the kind of previous works of the developers in the DNA of those franchises in this game. And it definitely shows, uh, but it also is definitely a budget game. So it definitely has a couple of weird little quirks and difficulty spikes and stupid things, but nothing you can't get over with a little bit of patience and level grinding. Um, aside from that, I, I did play some Xbox with my brother and my nephew this weekend. One night um, we played Bleeding Edge. I decided to give it one more shot, this time playing with the squad to see if maybe I would like the game anymore. And I got to be honest, still really don't care for Bleeding Edge. It's just not my game. Although I am happy to report both my brother and nephew thought I sold it short and they were pleasantly surprised with the game. They both thought it was uh, definitely better than I thought it was. So glad to know there are some people out there. I think Dead Captain James was saying a week or two ago that he has greatly enjoyed Bleeding Edge so far. So don't take my word for it. If you're curious about it, of course, on Game Pass, go ahead, download that sucker and try it out for yourself. But just not my cup of tea. I think that will be the last time I played Bleeding Edge, unfortunately. But uh, I did play some Gears 5 multiplayer, which has been a, it's been a while since I played some Gears 5. And I got to tell you, Gears 5 is so, so good. It's a, it's a very good game that I'm very bad at, especially now that the community's gotten really good at the game. Uh, I feel especially like just left out in the dust in terms of skill level. Uh, but nonetheless, I still had a great time playing some Gears 5 multiplayer. Always a good time. And congrats and shout out to the Coalition for just being awesome and keeping that Gears franchise better than ever before. Uh, so that's going to do it for all our opening segments. Uh, sorry for the, the rants and all that, but we will jump into our news this uh, this week right now. Starting right now. Earlier this week, uh, Microsoft had an inside Xbox for April, which showcased a lot of Obsidian's new game, Grounded, that's in the works, as well as some other like smaller bits of information about some other projects, some other games, Xbox Series X, a little bit of clarification, but not really much new information. So I thought for this first massive story, we'll just kind of go topic by topic and just kind of go a little over what all was said and kind of dissect any information where as needed, I guess. So basically, yeah, we'll just jump right into the story. So today on our first Inside Xbox episode of 2020, we got a closer look at the single player campaign in Grounded 
Grounded, the upcoming survival adventure game from our friends at Obsidian Entertainment. This is directly from Xbox Wire, by the way. Our friends at Obsidian Entertainment uh, revealed that the latest Xbox Game Pass title and discussed the recently revealed Xbox Series X tech and gave viewers the skinny on the most important things to know about the upcoming Gears Tactics. So the first thing they talked about, of course, like I said, was Grounded. Uh, so Obsidian Entertainment announced upcoming survival adventure game Grounded will enter Xbox Game Preview in Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and Steam Early Access on July 28th, 2020. As part of today's announcement, the team also revealed a brand new trailer focusing on the single player experience for Grounded and the first ever live stream with Obsidian Entertainment's game director, Adam Brennick, and social media manager, Shyla Schofield, who gave a closer look at the game. So yeah, they went over Grounded and then they rounded out the Inside Xbox episode with like 40 minutes of like just a live stream kind of playing some of the game and going over it. I got to be honest, after this live stream and after seeing some of the single player, I'm actually a little bit more excited about Grounded than I was before. I still don't know how I feel about the game being like one of those early access things. This is now like the third big Xbox game that comes to mind in recent history that's done like this early access kind of thing. The first one being uh, We Happy Few, which I, I know I know Microsoft didn't own Compulsion Games when We Happy Few came out. It was only after the fact, but that game was like a game that showed very well at E3 and everyone was excited about it. And then it kind of just went into game preview and kind of went silent from there and eventually did come out, but no one ever talked about it. And then Bleeding Edge was actually another game that's been like in preview or had betas and all this stuff left and right and then kind of just quietly came out. And now we're about to see that happen again with Grounded. And I guess my concern is that like, although it is cool and very like player friendly and, and consumer friendly that you do these kinds of slow rollouts, these like these game preview rollouts so that the audience can kind of play the game and, and provide feedback and they can kind of adjust the game as, as the uh, preview goes on. It, it also does kind of take a lot of the, the steam, the kind of sizzle out of the initial launch. Whereas, you know, normally with a big game, especially a first party game, you kind of expect more of like a, you can't play it, you can't play it, you can't play it, boom, it's out, you know, after a big marketing lead up to the game's launch. But Microsoft seems very big lately on these Game Pass preview games, especially for some of their smaller first party games. And again, why I think it is very pro consumer, it also does seem to kind of detract from the the overall impact and, and kind of initial buzz of a game's you know, one and only launch. There's only you only have that one time to really capitalize on the on the excitement and the fervor of a brand new game. And I feel like you kind of spoil it a little bit when you allow players to play the hell out of it in the months leading up to its launch. Because then by the time the game actually comes out, it's just kind of like, oh, it wasn't already out. People are already playing it. So I mean, can you imagine if they did that with Halo, where like, you know, Halo Halo Infinite just goes into early access this August. And it, yeah, it'd be badass. People are playing it, but it's like here you get like half the campaign. And it's really buggy, and you get multiplayer, but it's kind of a nightmare. And we just want your feedback on it. We'll make it better. And then in November, at some random day in November, they're just like, oh, and and Halo Infinite is out today. And it's just like, wait, wasn't it already out? People have been playing it for months. I just feel like you know, it's just it, it would make something like Halo Infinite, which is undoubtedly. Microsoft's biggest upcoming game, it would just make it so uneventful. And I feel like they kind of do that to games like Grounded when when they take that approach. But at the same time, I guess, I mean, maybe it's they, they have numbers, they have statistics. Maybe they see that doing this early access preview is actually better in the long run for certain types of games. I mean, after all, Grounded is very much a you know, a kind of resource-based survival game. It almost 
reminds me of the survival mode in uh, Minecraft, which is odd because Microsoft also owns Minecraft, so it seems a little redundant. But, you know, Minecraft was also a game that long before Microsoft ever owned it was just an early access for a very long time before it officially came out. So maybe they're kind of using that model and thinking it will adapt well for a game like Grounded. But nonetheless, I, I am more excited for this game. The single player, while it is a little bit frustrating that it isn't finished yet, um, it does look promising. But it, I did find it a little weird that one of the guys at Obsidian, while he was talking about it during the live stream, was like, yeah, we're working on the single player component. We want people to know that this game is very much a single player game, uh, not just a multiplayer game. So there is a whole campaign aspect that can be played alone or a single player mode that can be played all alone if that's how you prefer to play. Um, but, you know, we haven't even finished it at the the single player content as of yet. We still have a bunch of ideas kicking around. I'm like, why are you releasing and showing up this game and just kind of proudly stating like, yeah, we're about to give you this game that we haven't even finished yet. And we're about to charge money for a game that we haven't even figured out how it ends yet. And it's just like, it just seems so weird. I know this is a very kind of like new way of doing games. It's probably one of those things where I'm going to be an old man about it. And in 10 years, this will be the norm for a lot of games. And younger people will think that it's weird when games don't launch this way. But for me, I just can't quite wrap my brain around why you would want to release your game in such an unfinished state. I mean, I guess it's because you know, especially if it's multiplayer heavy, you want the audience to play a big role in shaping how the game works so that you don't release a quote unquote finished product and without audience input and then have to have your audience constantly bitch and moan about how the game could be better if you had just done this, this, and this kind of like how we saw a lot earlier in the generation, like with games like Destiny and all that, where, you know, you see a game launch, it's kind of poor, poorly received, and then the audience shapes it over the course of a year or two with constant updates. This way, when you take this approach, I guess, you can kind of just build the game with the audience from ground from ground zero, and that way, you know, the, the perception around the game is always that it's been a growing process or a, a kind of work in progress alongside the community, which I guess paints a much, like, optically better picture for the game in terms of you know kind of its goodwill with the audience and just it's potentially it's metacritic score that could play a big role in this is just kind of protecting the metacritic score by being like oh remember it was bad when it was an early access so you can't put a score on it until the game's officially out and by the time it's officially out you know we've had months and months of player feedback to make the game into what you know audiences would would rate as a good game so there are a lot of factors that probably play into this again i just think it's i find that a little weird aside from that i also just know that was a little weird that you know they've been marketing this game as a multiplayer game and then now they're like putting this big selling point as like oh it also has a single player component which is just so odd because i feel like 15 20 years ago you know in like the late xbox in like the xbox og days or like the 360 days it was always like here's a single player story game and Here's a massive feature. It includes a multiplayer mode. And nowadays it's like games are just the opposite where it's like, here's an obviously multiplayer game. And, oh, what do you know? We also are including a single player mode. It's like we've totally seen that script flip 100%. I just find that so, so weird. But nonetheless, I'm a little more excited for Grounded. If you haven't already seen it, there is a story trailer now as well as a 40-minute uh, live stream demo of like the single player content. The game looks really cool. Uh, the visuals, especially a lot of the art style and the lighting in the game is really impressive. So check it out if you haven't already. Next, they talked about what they called a close look at the Xbox Series X technologies. And so this segment reads, a few weeks ago, we took an in-depth look at some of the tech powering the Xbox Series X. And we got our first look at the new Xbox wireless controller. On today's show, our own Major Nelson had a chance to sit down with Jason Ronald, director of product management on Xbox Series X, 
to break down some of what, what was shared about our most powerful console ever. They discussed everything from graphics technology like DirectX ray tracing and variable rate shading to audio processing, quick resume, and storage options. Ronald also highlighted the Xbox Velocity architecture, including what this entails and what it will entail for game, what it will enable for gaming. So they didn't really say, this is the only time they talked about the Series X. They didn't really talk about anything new in particular. They just kind of expounded on the storage options and the Xbox velocity architecture kind of buzz term and really elaborated on what these things mean and, and just to kind of really drive home that messaging. I think they just really, if there's one thing Microsoft's been doing, in, in, in my opinion, to a great extent and, and really effectively with the Series X is they just are getting really in front of the messaging. So, you know, even though it seems like people are pretty high on the Series X and people are pretty hyped for what it is, you know, another thing is there's always going to be a thing here or two about every console that audiences are going to find to kind of roll their eyes about or groan about or be like, oh, that's kind of lame. So I feel like Microsoft's being really good at getting in front of the messaging immediately and being like, allow us to explain what this means and what you can do to prepare for this or, you know, so that you can, you can set those expectations now while the Xbox Series X is just, you know, a video and a cool picture of a console and not a thing with a price tag that you have pre-ordered and that you're highly anticipating. So I appreciate that they're really getting in front of that messaging now while it's not too late so that there's no like, you know, kind of heartbreak or severe disappointment in November or whatever this thing comes out. So um, yeah, that's really all they really did with the Xbox Series X. Nothing to really go over, nothing really new. Uh, just a reiteration, just a way of saying, hey, we know you guys are expecting us to talk about Series X every time we hold a presentation now, so here's our obligatory mention, but nothing new to say at this moment. The next thing they talked about, and this is actually one of the more interesting things to me, is what they call the evolution of Xbox Game Bar. So they said, we're continuing to evolve the Xbox Game Bar by customizing gaming overlay built into Windows 10 for PCs. Starting today, insiders will have access to apps from partners like Razer and XSplit and Intel directly from the Xbox Game Bar through a new widget. No more having to Alt-Tab to separate apps while gaming. We've seen incredible interest for uh, from PC gaming partners in this fan-requested feature, and we look forward to growing the number of available widgets. So basically what they were allowing to do is like for people who use things like Razer Cortex and, and like various kind of widgets to enhance their gaming experience, they're saying basically they're they're adding like XSplit's Gamecaster and Razer Cortex into the game bar feature on Windows 10 so that it's all in one place and you don't have to have a bunch of different programs and things running in order to get your game experience exactly how you want it, whether you're streaming or or doing whatever, you know, using whatever kind of additional software along with your gaming. And so I thought that was really cool. It's not one of those like stupid things where like we have our own proprietary solution that no one wants to adapt and we're going to force you all to get on board with it. They're like, hey, we know this is what you use. This is what you need when you play games. We're just going to make everything easier for you. And I think moves like this are really critical on PC because PC players are so fucking finicky. You can give them a million options to play a game, but unless it's Steam, you know, they're not going to play it anywhere else. So with the PC market, you really have to cater to them and, and speak to them like slow kids because, you know, that's how PC gamers are. You just got to you gotta talk down to them. You got to give them exactly what they want because they're finicky and they'll go, they'll go do something else. You know, they'll go play Construction Simulator 3 uh, instead of, you know, Halo Infinite if you don't, provide exactly what they want and how they want it so you got to cater to that audience and i think you know all joking aside doing something like this is exactly how you cater to that audience is by just saying 
hey, we know you use these features. Uh, we're integrating them into this thing that, that we have to make it more enticing for you and more convenient for you when you use it. So Xbox Game Bar, I was talking with my nephew this week actually about kind of what a cluster that uh, that feature is, but also it looks like they're working on it and they're aware of it. So it's getting better, hopefully. And uh, yeah, that's I can't speak to it on too much authority just because I don't really game on PC because my PC is for writing school papers, which I don't do anymore because I finally graduated. All right, our next one here is about announcing more great titles hitting Xbox Game Pass. So they, they write here, we're thrilled to announce that on April 13th, Xbox Game Pass will be expanding to Japan and Korea. Xbox Game Pass for PC will launch in beta for gamers in Korea and will be included as part of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is already available for gamers in the region. While all Xbox Game Pass services for console and PC will come to Japan for the first time. We also shared new titles joining Xbox Game Pass libraries across consoles and PC, including Avastia Chronicles, Journey to the Savage Planet, Overcooked 2, Football Manager 2020, Mistover, and Stranger Things 3, The Game. So we talked about this a little bit in passing last week, xCloud coming to Japan, just Game Pass in general, and now, you know, Korea's getting it. So this is good. We're seeing, you know, new markets uh, kind of get this. And these are really critical markets because I've mentioned many times before on this podcast Asia is such a critical market for Xbox because they've been so unsuccessful there so many times in the past. And I really don't think, you know, Phil Spencer talks about how the the big fumble with Japan in particular was not being there day and day, you know, not being there on the day the console came out in the U.S., not being there when it came out in Europe, not being there when PS4 came out and how they really want to do global launches going forward with consoles. I politely disagree with what Spencer is saying in that I think <laughs> I think if you want to get Xbox integrated in in that Japanese market or especially that Korean market, xCloud is your way in, you know, Game Pass is your way in. It's not the console because if you're just selling a traditional box, those guys are going to pick PS4, PS5 over Xbox nine times out of ten. And we know this because we saw it happen in the PS2 era. We saw it happen in the PS3 era. We saw it happen in the PS4 era. So nothing here makes me think it will be any different in the PS5 era. But if you hit them with Game Pass Ultimate, if you hit them with xCloud, that, that changes everything. Because, yeah, sure, you know, Sony has PlayStation Now or whatever it's called, and it sucks. It's just, it's it's fine. I've heard it's gotten a lot better. I heard it's reasonable but it's really not only do they not take it as serious as xbox takes xcloud but it's also just not half as great it's really just not a robust platform right now that's not to say it won't get there but it's just project xcloud is significantly better and if you're looking as to game streaming as a a potential you know future solution for gaming for a lot of audiences then this is a great opportunity to get xbox into the the hands of Japanese and Korean players and uh, as well as Game Pass, which is just saying, you know, stop buying $60 games, pay 10 bucks a month, pay 15 bucks a month and just get all the good games all the time because Game Pass is awesome. It's honestly, I was thinking the other day about how great Game Pass is. It's like ever since Game Pass, not only have I caught up on my backlog a lot, but it's also just been pushing me to play a lot of games I otherwise wouldn't play. Like I'm finally just knocking all these games out like record is a game i would have told myself forever that i'll get around to but i would just never get around to without game pass and now i finally got around to it because game pass you know it's the same reason i finally got around to that third tomb raider game because game pass and there's just so many games where it's like i just keep playing all these things i wouldn't normally play last night i tried to start devil may cry 5 because game pass and i plan on getting around to it soon but 
I got I got tired and went to bed like a baby. But the the point is, you know, Devil May Cry Five is not a game I would buy, but I'm interested in it to some extent. And now because of Game Pass, it's like, nah, what the hell? I'll give it a try. And whatever for whatever reason, maybe this is just my experience. I really thought Game Pass's Achilles Hill would be that whole. There's so many games. It's the Netflix effect, right? Where it's like there's so many things in my face. There's so much stimulus that I'm actually like overwhelmed and I just turn it off and I don't want to play anything. I don't want to watch anything. But that's actually not the problem I have with Game Pass. When I play Game Pass, I feel like the library size is just right to to where it's like I can figure out pretty much exactly what I want to play next. I, I can narrow it down to like two or three games at, at the very most or at the very least, which just makes it way easier for me to figure out, you know, what game I'm going to play. And it's just such, such a great digestible platform. And I, I don't mean to deviate too much, but got to sing the praises of Game Pass. It's such a great service. So Game Pass, xCloud, coming to Japan, coming to Korea. Let's hope this is a good way for Microsoft to make a dent in those markets and get people to start taking Xbox seriously as a brand. Honestly, if these, if these don't work, I don't really think anything will, but but here's hoping. Our next one is a, a quick little throwaway one because I'm not sure many of many of the Xbox game many of the Xbox gamers out there really give a shit. But Forza Street races onto mobile on May 5th. So Forza Street, for those of you who don't know, was actually it's like a Forza game for like Windows 10. It's like a little free-to-play game, but now it's coming to iOS and Android. So the story reads, get your engines ready. Forza Street is coming to your iOS and Android devices on May 5th. We've received incredible engagement from players during Android pre-registration, and we're excited to let iOS gamers know they too will will hit the streets in just a few weeks. For a limited time, we will also be giving out uh, the Founders Pack to anyone who plays Forza Street between May 5th and June 5th as a welcoming gift. Pre-register now on Google Play and the Samsung Galaxy Store. So if you want to play Forza Street, uh, you can already do so on any Windows 10 computer. You can just download it for free from the Microsoft Store. But if you want to wait and have your mobile gaming experience truly fleshed out on an iPhone or an Android device, then just wait a few more weeks. It's coming on May 5th. Our next one here, this is kind of the last big one, and it was about Gears Tactics. So they, they talked a little bit more about Gears Tactics as we as we get into the final weeks before it launches. Uh, they write, Today, the Coalition celebrated Gears Tactics going gold with a new video highlighting five badass things you need to know before the launch and their commitment to a gameplay experience tailored to PC, including new details on a partnership with Intel available April 28th on Windows 10 PC, Steam, and with Xbox Game Pass for PC, which is in beta. Gears Tactics has players assume the role of Gabriel or Gabe Diaz as he recruits, equips, and commands his squad on a mission to hunt down the relentless leader of the Locust Army, Yukon, 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 Akon. So yeah, this is uh, the other kind of big thing because it just showed more Gears Tactics. So the game went gold. So of course that means that now the game has been certified. They have have decided on a final build to go print and, and ship out to stores. So the game is happening April 28th, just playing on Game Pass, of course. But the game, as a side note, will also be coming to Xbox later this year. I don't really have much to say on this. I think Gears Tactics looks pretty good. It's not usually my style of game, but as a fan of Gears of War, I'm just going to give it a try anyway, see if I like it. I really love Halo Wars, but I do recognize this is a little more um, XCOM and a little, little less StarCraft. So here's hoping I will like it, but definitely time to start drumming up the hype cycle as we get really close to that launch. Personally, I'm really excited for Minecraft Dungeons coming out in May, but yeah, this is this will be a good one to try. I'm, I'm going to see if I can download it. You know, I don't know if I've said this before. My, my computer is a Surface Pro 6. I love this thing for like writing and and podcasting. It works for all these things I do. Most of the computing I do is web-based or Microsoft Office, so I don't really need anything more powerful than a Microsoft Surface, but 
it's really not a gaming machine, but I'm I'm gonna try to push Gears Tactics on this thing and see if I can get it running. So we're gonna see, because I, I have an obligation to you, my audience, to play every Xbox game and tell you how good it is, uh, disregarding the fact that I clearly haven't played Ori and the Will of the Wisps yet. Uh, but our next part of this, uh, as we wrap up the last few little bits, the last two, they say, set, seal, set sail with Sea of Thieves, free ships, and fortune update. So Perspective Pirates got a look at the new Sea of Thieves ships of fortune update arriving later this month. Ships of Fortune adds new uh, depth to the game trading companies, allowing players the option to represent their favorite trading companies and emissaries for boosted rewards and exclusive cosmetic items. What's more, a mysterious company known as the Reaper's Bones is also making their debut, tasking players with pillaging rival ships and taking the emissary flags uh, and to loot as trophies. Uh, additionally, they tease that there's like some other big update coming to Sea of Thieves, and then they they were like, uh-uh-uh, I can't talk about that on the show, so expect something big Sea of Thieves related in the coming months, uh, but they just didn't announce it here, they just teased that it's coming. And then the final thing they talked about was a new batch of ID at Xbox games coming to Xbox One, so this last little excerpt reads, In today's show, we took a look at brand new games called The Last Campfire, a dark fantasy from developer Hello Games that combines a beautiful art style with a wide variety of puzzles, to create a wholly unique experience. There was also uh, a new trailer for Adam Adam Crops, Atomic Crops, an action-packed farming simulator where you must cultivate and defend the last farm in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Finally, it was announced that the action-packed top-down shooter Hotline Miami Collection is not only coming to Xbox One, but it's actually available right now. Surprise! And I, I've always wanted to play those Hotline Miami games. They look very much like Jesse games. I just never got around to them. So maybe this will be the chance. Uh, but that's it for the Inside Xbox. Like I said, it wasn't like really exciting, massive news, but it was a lot of little smaller things to kind of detract. Um, mostly there, the Xbox game bar and the grounded stuff was uh, what I took away from that. But nonetheless, now you got a little comprehensive look at it. You can go back and watch it yourself. It's on the Xbox YouTube page, uh, and you can watch that grounded live stream that took place afterwards as well. Our next story, our first non-related to this X Inside Xbox uh, story is that Microsoft has made the decision to go digital uh, only in the in the near future when it comes to press conferences, at least until July 2021, and that is of course uh, including Xbox, so not just Microsoft. However, according to Xbox, they plan on experimenting with the digital formats and uh, uh, for the remainder of the year, suggesting that Xbox might be heading uh, to more of a Nintendo Direct style future for getting word out on future games and future news. So news began to spread after Twitter user Guinea Coffee posted the following excerpt from Microsoft, quote, in light of the challenges presented by COVID-19, Microsoft has closely monitored the developing global situation and reassessing the overall company-wide in-person strategy, the statement reads. As a company, Microsoft has made the decision to transition all external and internal events to a digital-first experience through July 2021. We will continue to evaluate the situation and look forward to connecting in person when the situation allows, end quote. IGN then reached out to a Xbox PR for official comment and received the following, uh, which says, quote, in light of the challenges presented by COVID-19, very original, same opening, uh, we are adjusting our event calendar and strategy for the remainder of 2020. We are embracing the opportunity to experiment with new platforms to provide our partners, customers, and developers the highest quality digital first experiences, end quote. So it's hard to tell what this means for the future of in-person Xbox events, but it certainly spells trouble for uh, Gamescom 
and any future XO events, potentially an XO 2021 or XO 2020 event, if that was in the books at all, it's probably not happening now. So yeah, this is really big because I, I hope this is the start of Xbox kind of evolving inside Xbox. If anything, you know, the last story kind of ties in with this, right? Because maybe inside Xbox has always kind of been their Nintendo Direct thing, but it's never really been as eventful or exciting as Nintendo Direct, you know? When Nintendo Direct happens, everyone notices. When Nintendo Direct happens, people on my Twitter who only tweet about non-video game related things, I don't know, maybe they talk about fucking vibrators, who knows? You know, they, they, they start tweeting about Nintendo Direct because it just has that much... Uh, of a name behind itself it, it draws that much excitement you know inside xbox clearly doesn't do that i feel like inside xbox appeals to like a fraction of the xbox community it's so niche and then playstation's tried to get into this a lot as of late in, in the past year or so with their state of play presentations which are like their own nintendo directs and while again they're not nintendo direct level of, of like big and notable um they definitely caught on a lot more than inside xbox has where i feel like there's a lot more talk about these streams when they happen. So I think Microsoft has a long way to go. I don't know if they want to rebrand inside Xbox, but it'd be cool to see them kind of continue to play with this and see what kind of announcements, you know, a big thing about inside Xbox is usually it's pretty like nitty gritty nerdy shit, or it's like kind of reiterating things we already know, kind of like all the stories we just talked about. Whereas inside Xbox doesn't usually have like, like a slew of like big announcements. And that's one thing that, you know, that's what makes Nintendo Direct so good is, well, one, we had to pay attention to them because Nintendo stopped going to E3. But two, you know, they they have the format down pat to where they're always like aesthetically fun to watch. And then they always have big announcements. So it's always like, you know, even if a Nintendo Direct, there are small ones and big ones. Like even the small ones usually have like a handful of new game announcements, even if it's just indie games or ports, which is like 90% of what the Switch has. But like, it's like, at least they're still announcing new games coming to the platform. Whereas inside Xbox is usually about like console features or updates to the system or updates on games we already knew about. So it's more like nerdy shit and less like things that, general fans of the console would be interested to know so be interested to see if inside xbox kind of becomes their nintendo direct i know it already kind of was but maybe can embrace that even more so as we uh, go into a year where e3 is not happening and sure as hell aren't going to gamescom as i wrote there you know it's hard to tell what this means for gamescom i i don't think gamescom is happening this year and if it does i don't think xbox is going to be there so i'd like to see them do an x an inside xbox during E3, during Gamescom, just see them go all out and kind of say, hey, we know this is what your preconceived notion of inside Xbox is, but actually we've been playing with the formula and we brought up the production value and we think this is what you know it is going forward. And we see it as a lot more of a crucial part of our strategy going forward. And I think it'd be cool to see them do that. If not, you know, just, just make a new event. Maybe, maybe XO19 or maybe the XO event can start taking place during E3 time. And it can be your big event every June. Who knows? But like, this is going to be fun to see them kind of play with this. Cause I think what Xbox, the second Xbox has a very successful digital presentation akin to like a Nintendo direct, I think is the moment they realize, Hey, we don't have to be going to all these events. Cause Microsoft's one of the companies, or they're the best of the big three at always being in attendance to like these games, games cons and, and, uh, and E3s and such. And I think the second they experience some real success with the live stream is the, is, is the time when, we start seeing them start to be like Sony and Nintendo and start bowing out from certain events. And I'm excited to see that happen because I think Microsoft can put on a good show. We just haven't seen them really do that quite yet. And, you know, they currently, 
Currently, I, I think Microsoft puts on by far the best live in-person presentation. You know, you can say what you want about every E3, the conversation is always who won PlayStation or, or Xbox. But like, I don't, even without the games, I don't think there's a world in which Microsoft hasn't put on the best E3 conference in like the past five years, maybe even more, because it's just like every E3, they come out and it's like, you can say what you want about the games, but it's like the pacing's always great. They never linger on a stupid game. No one gives a shit about like a sports game. Uh, Phil Spencer gets out there and he's basically like, video games. And then the screen just turns into video games. And it's just like game after game after game. And like the, the theming in the room is always cool. And the music's always pumping. They just, they get it so right with those live in-person events. Uh, whereas I think PlayStation, you know, of course, the games are what really matters, but a lot of times PlayStation either comes with the games but not the presentation, or they just fail on both accounts, which is what we saw, I think, in their last two E3s that they were in attendance for. It was just kind of like, meh. And then Nintendo, you know, Nintendo always was kind of hit or miss with their E3 presentations. Obviously, they have some infamous ones like the whole Wii Music demo, but I always thought Nintendo was pretty good at E3 when they when they used to be in attendance. Uh, but nonetheless, I think this is a new opportunity for Microsoft because while they are the kings at the in-person event, they aren't the kings at the digital event. You know, they're just the opposite. When it comes to the digital live stream event, Inside Xbox is clearly inferior to both PlayStation State of Play and especially Nintendo Direct. So this is, you know, new territory for them. And I'm excited to see, you know, take that kind of passion you took with the Xbox One generation where you're like, hey, we're clearly behind on this specific thing. Let's let's make sure that never happens again. And let's work our asses off to be number one or what we see as number one in this in this particular field. And I think they can do that with these digital presentations if they just try. So it looks like this is confirmation that we're going to get that. And I'm excited to see what that looks like probably starting in just two months because we're probably going to get our first digital event from them in June around the time of E3 because that's what, that's what they said that we were going to get. So that's what I'm expecting. Our next story here is keeping with the digital events, kind of a smaller just confirmation one. Uh, speaking of digital events, something that will not be replaced uh, with such an alternative this year is E3. Earlier this week, the ESA confirmed that E3 2020 would be just skipped altogether, despite earlier murmurings that uh, they would explore, potentially explore an alternative option for a digital showcase. The statement reads, quote, given the disruption brought on by COVID-19, we will not be presenting an online E3 2020 event in June. Instead, we will be working with exhibitors to promote showcase individual company announcements, including on Xbox or on E3Expo.com in the coming months. We look forward to bringing our industry and our community together in 2021 and present a reimagined E3 that will highlight new offerings and thrill our audiences, end quote. So yeah, this confirms that, you know, obviously E3 is just not a thing this year at any capacity, but they have every intention of coming back next year with whatever it is, I assume whatever kind of weird format they were working on. For this year, they're going to try to pull it off next year. But again, this is this is kind of ballsy because again, kind of like we were, we were just talking about, if Microsoft really figures out this digital thing, they might just be like, nah, next year, no, we don't need it. You know, we don't need it. Sony hasn't been there in a few years. They probably won't be there next year. Nintendo's not going to be there next year. They might be on the show floor, but they're not going to have a press conference. And then Microsoft, you know, if they if they experience some real success this this year with with their digital E3, they might go. Eh, let's save the money and just not do it this year. And then, you know, Bethesda has already announced that they're not going to have a digital showcase in place of their now canceled E3 press conference. So maybe they're going to go, oh, you know what? We didn't we didn't do an E3 this year and it didn't really affect anything. And yeah, let's just not go back to E3. And 
that that's the thing is again if this if this year without E three isn't what cripples the ESA, then then the realization from all the all the attendants that hey we don't need to be here we don't need to spend this kind of money in order to promote our products will be the thing that that kills the ESA and E three going forward. So we'll see. But to me, this is just like all bad news all around. They had to do something this year to kind of keep that E three brand relevant or to kind of entice you know, Xbox and, and and PlayStation, all these to come back in, in some way at least, but who knows? We're going to have to, we're going to have to wait on that one. And then our next one is actually, I don't really know why this is in like the main news story. There's not too much to talk about, but as noted by, uh, at robot brush on Twitter, a store page for sea of thieves has gone up on steam. After a while of speculation, rare officially confirmed that sea of thieves is indeed coming to steam. The listing on steam simply just says coming soon. So no release window is locked down as of yet. So Sea of Thieves is coming to Steam. Steam, this isn't too surprising as we're seeing like Master Chief Collection come to Steam, um, Grounded's coming to Steam, um, Gears Tactics is coming to Steam. It seems like pretty much everything Xbox does now is also coming to Steam in addition to their Xbox app, which again, I see this as a positive because to go back to the PC gamer thing, it's like, I mean, I'm surprised the Epic Game Store is doing as well as it is, but it's like, you're just not going to get little fucking PC nerds to stop what they're doing and, and give anyone else attention. PC gamers love doing two things. They love one, complaining about Valve for not making new Half-Life games, and two, telling Valve they're the best by exclusively using their online service to play video games. So there's no way in hell, you know, despite how good Game Pass is and all these other things, that people are going to stop using Steam. So Microsoft can either, you know, fight them or join. And I think what they have, this kind of two-pronged approach, is kind of the way to go, at least for the foreseeable future, which is that, you know, they have their Xbox app, they have Game Bar, they have the Game Pass app, all this shit. But then if you really must buy your Xbox game through Steam, just fucking go ahead and do it. And I think that's the way to go. So they're going to go ahead and say, hey, let's try to give uh, see if these even more longevity by just throwing it up on Steam. So more power to them. I don't think this is spelling any kind of trouble whatsoever. Um, it's just, again, it's just putting the game where the audience is. At the end of the day, you're still playing a Windows 10 PC. At the end of the day, you're still using Xbox Live to play the game and to get your achievements and all that shit. So you're still playing Xbox. You just got to use steam as your little portal and give you know valve a, a cut of the game sold because that's how little xbox gamers want to that's how little nerdy pc gamers want to play their games they gotta they gotta have that stupid steam account boot up even though my account gets hacked like every fucking week so i have to change my password frequently but that's what they like so that's what we're gonna do and then our final wrap-up story for the week comes from windows central and it is that developer deep silver volition is returning to the popular saints row uh, the third with a remaster for Xbox One and PC. The release date is set for May 22nd, 2020, although imminent release dates have been fleeting as of late, so take this one with a grain of salt. In addition to the remaster, Deep Silver Volition has also confirmed that the new Saints Row game is currently in the works. A new Saints Row game is currently in the works. Uh, so fans of the series can rest easy knowing that more over-the-top Saints Row action is indeed on the way. Uh, so this is a good one. Um, Saints Row the Third is kind of the one people really, really like, I feel like. So uh, I might even have to jump into this. I've never played a Saints Row game. I just hear really great things about the second and third one in particular. Um, but I know the fourth one, Get Out of Hell or whatever, is is the one where people are like, eh, kind of lost its luster after the fourth one. Um, so they're bringing, they're bringing the favorite one back in a remaster. I guess it's kind of their way of drumming up hype and saying, hey, we're working on a new one. We know it's been a while since the last one. We know we did that Agents of Mayhem game after the fourth one, and most people weren't too hot on that. So let's remind you why you like Saints Row for a little bit with the remaster of, of the one you like the most and then we'll go ahead and announce a proper fifth entry for you so it looks like we're getting a new saints row game 
that that means it's an Xbox Series X game because there's no way in hell they haven't announced this game and it's an Xbox One game. Or, I mean, it might be on One and Series X. But what I mean to say is it's a next-generation game. So be excited for that if you are a Saints Row fan. And, uh, yeah. So I finally have a little a name for this uh, not-really-news thing. I, I told you last week about how I hate using the word tidbits. And I and I think that calling something housekeeping is annoying because or rapid-fire because every podcast uses those terms. So I've, I've finally named the section of the show where we talk about little news stories that are just like a sentence long. And it is called Important Enough News, Stories Important Enough to Make the Podcast, but Not Enough to Warrant Their Own Discussion. And our first story in regards to that is that Mafia 2 and Mafia 3 Definitive Editions have been rated by uh, the Taiwan Digital Game Rating Committee. Each game is rated in three distinct instances for PC, PS4, and Xbox One, suggesting that the game will land on current-gen platforms at launch, although no official announcement has been made as of yet. The next one here is that Activision has revealed that Call of Duty Modern Warfare's next season, Season 3, will begin on April 8th. So it's it's already begun, if you're listening to this podcast. Um, players should be expecting new weapons, new characters, and hopefully a new map or two. And then our final one of the week is that as of as of this week's Opeth Song Pack, Rocksmith Remastered has concluded its scheduled DLC releases, explains a statement published by Ubisoft.com. The statement continues by reading, quote, After 383 weeks of DLC releases, this pack brings us to a total of 1,570 songs in Rocksmith's library, spanning over seven decades or three centuries in the case of Rocksmith, and covering a, mul- a multitude of genres for guitar and bass, end quote. While there will be no more new songs, the team has stressed weekly online content is still planned for Rocksmith fans. The shift in focus is attributed to the fact that Rocksmith team is currently, quote, hard at work on a new project, end quote, which is a mystery for the time being. But who knows, maybe they're making a, a Rocksmith for the Xbox Series X. So yeah, that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. Um, appreciate you sticking with us, but now we're of course going to do a little talking about the new game releases of the week because there are always new, there are always new games and this week there are a total of 11 new games coming out. So be excited. So yeah, as always, we will, we will discuss these games by, by just inferring everything about the game based solely off one, the name of the game and two, a single screenshot that accompanies the name, but we will completely disregard the description that explains what the game is, and we will just infer what the game is as a result of those two aforementioned details. So our first game here, Construction Simulator 3, Console Edition. It's out now, so don't let this confuse you. This is So what the picture basically shows is this nice neighborhood. It looks like a couple of apartment complexes or homes, a nice little community development. And in the center of all of this, there's a there's a construction crew working on a new plot of land, presumably a new construction, a new apartment building. But the the while a lot of these you know simulator games have been vastly popular, this game, despite the name, is actually not about construction simulation. Rather, it's about existing around construction simulation. So basically, this is you are a tenant. You are a you are a tenant in one of these these apartments in one of these buildings, and you perhaps you work in one of them, and you're basically just trying to go about your day to day life while knowing that certain roads are closed off due to construction, and that there's always going to be some background noise while you're on conference calls because someone's hammering away or dumping a load of dirt while you're trying to explain to your boss while last year's last fiscal quarter 
profits were down 4%, what have you. So this is a game basically about about uh, basically ensuing. This is this is a game about ensuing the mundane while in, all in the background uh, change is 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 impending. So basically about accepting change while also while also enduring the mundane of life. So yeah, play play Construction Simulator three if you are uh, if you're broken inside. Our next game here is called Noel Drifter. This is a game about basically playing. You play basically as a little dot. I, I don't even know how to make fun of this one, to be honest with you. It's literally a black screen, and there are a bunch of little white dots on it. And that's the fucking game. You want me to tell you anything else about it? At the top, it says HP 2. Then there's level 10, and then there's a $102 sign. So you got, you're on level 10, you got $102, and you got 2 health. And you're a bunch of little white dots floating around in black space. So... This literally isn't even a game. I'm pretty sure this is the developer of Noel Drifter took a fucking picture of like a cell under a microscope and inserted it as the accompanying screenshot of their video game. So I'm pretty sure we're just literally looking at a, a cell. We're just looking at like a fucking, uh, I, don't, I don't even know. Maybe it's like an onion cell. Who fucking knows? But it's certainly not a video game. Our next game here is called Rush Rover. Rush Rover, send this game right over to the trash can because it is a little indie game where you play as a robot and you have a blaster and you blast what looks like some trash cans. So maybe this is like the sequel to WALL-E. Maybe this is like some futuristic WALL-E game where instead of taking the trash and making the little cubes and putting it away and trying to clean the earth, you're just... Like, fuck it, the world's already desolated. This is a post-apocalyptic world we live in. We have guns. There is trash. We will blow the shit out of this trash. And I think that's essentially what you do in this game is you go around as a little 8-bit robot and you and you blow up trash. So that, there you go. Now who doesn't want to be a trash man? This fucking looks awesome. Our next game here is called Glaive Brick Breaker. Now, I want to make fun of this, but I've actually just been playing a Brick Breaker uh, a lot of my PS VR. So this is a Arkanoid like brick breaker game. I actually might go ahead and play this because now I'm in a big brick breaker mood. But I've been playing Sacred Symbols, a, a PlayStation and a, a, a Twin Breaker, a Sacred Symbols adventure on my PlayStation Vita, a Twin Breaker that's very very good, made by my 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 podcasting idol Colin Moriarty and his studio Lily Mo Games. But this is like a brick breaker in 3D. So it's like. I love how like all these games that are action games, that are RPG games, that are puzzle games, could justify being 3D games, um, but are obligatory 2D games because every indie game is 2D now. But then this Brick Breaker, which really has no business being anything other than 2D, is in 3D. Why? Why the hell is this the world we live in, where you have this game where you play as a robot running around blowing up trash, which would be an awesome third-person action game? But of course it's 8-bit because literally fucking every... Because Shovel Knight. Because fucking... Because fucking... I don't know. Because Celeste. Because fucking Undertale. Because everything is 2D. And then... And then you got Glaive Brick Breaker. Which is literally just a stupid little Brick Breaker game. And here it is. It's in full 3D. No... No, uh, no pixel art. 
No cool pixel art to remind us that we're 90s kids and we all grew up with the SNES and we were all just so addicted to Super Mario Brothers and we were actually also all Sega kids so we really enjoyed Sonic the Hedgehog even though we conveniently forgot about it once the, the Dreamcast came out and uh, 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 and, and, and our favorite games are Ninja Gaiden and, and Bubble Bobble even though we don't fucking play these games and never really did and the N64 was really cool despite it not being retro enough to be 8-bit but no the brick breaker of all games is not going to be pixel art. That's just going to be a 3D game. So that's the fucking world we now live in. So I'm probably going to play that game just out of respect for the developer for being like, hell, hell no, we're not falling down that rabbit hole of of, uh, of pixel art. Our next game is in pixel art. It's called Convoy a Tactical Roguelike. So this is basically all the stereotypes. It's pixel art, it's 2D, it's roguelike, it's April 8th release date. It is top down though, so I will give them that. You basically ride as Mad Max through the desert and you ride with other Mad Maxes around you. These are called Mad Maxes, Mad Maximums. And there is one car that is actually on the road, not on the side of the road, not on the desert sand riding hard. And this vehicle doesn't really look like a vehicle. Honest to God, it looks like a portable lizard and a bedroom just sitting stationary on the ground. But we can infer that it is indeed moving because otherwise the vehicles would have no reason to be driving so fast right past it. So whatever the hell you're doing in this game, it seems like you're basically just driving around finding portable bedrooms on the highway and then presumably towing them. I don't fucking know, but it's everything you guys like. It's roguelike, so it's procedurally generated and it's 8-bit, so it's 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 got the uh it's got the Metroid, the Super Metroid seal of approval. Remember how cool it is. And then our next game here is called Galaxy of Pen and Paper Plus One Edition, which is I can't tell if I love or hate that name, but this is a turn-based game where you play as that green girl from Guardians of the Galaxy. And you play as the Wally. So Wally's also in this game. This is his second game he's in this week. And you fight all those little sand dune guys from Tatooine from that first Star Wars movie, the one that's so good because it has Luke Skywalker. And remember how awesome Mark Hamill is because he doesn't tweet bullshit politics all day. He's actually a genuinely interesting person. Uh, and anyway, so you take turns shooting at each other and you're in the desert and there's the Statue of Liberties in the background and there's some UFOs. There's the magic school bus in the corner. And so I guess what you're doing is you're fighting the creatures. Basically what I'm taking this as is it's like, all of Disney's fighters versus Star Wars. So you got Wally, you got the Green Girl from Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're in a battle with the Sand Guys from that first Star Wars movie. Um, so that's awesome. But I'm more intrigued why the Magic School Bus is in the background. Uh, but I guess you'd have to play Galaxy of Pen and Paper Plus One Edition April 8th release date in order to find out. Uh, our next game here is called Beholder 2, which is literally a game where you're just like these 3D black and white human figures in a, in a rally while some like undoubtedly Hitler like looking figure just puts his arm up and, and speaks. So I'm pretty sure this is just a simulator where you become a Hitler supporter, which is pretty damn cool. I'm not going to lie because if I were going to play a game where I could be anything, I would want to be something I would never be in real life. And I am totally not a Nazi. I'm all for uh, freedom and equality. And I think being against Nazis is really awesome. It's a really good message to share. So I just want to let you guys know, number one, I want to play this game because I'm not a Nazi in real life. 
and I want other other guys, other men to play this game because I think we should spread the message of simulating Nazi-like behavior in video games while not exhibiting that not, while not exhibiting that behavior in the real world, if that makes sense. Um, so that's a cool game. That's probably the best game ever. But our next game here is called BQM Block Quest Maker. I like how the game is the game's name is 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 an acronym. It's or it's an abbreviation. And then they just they just write out the, the abbreviation stands stands for anyway just right afterwards because no regard for their own naming conventions. But this is a game where you play The Sims, but it's been downgraded downgraded into eight bit, and it kind of looks like RuneScape. It kind of looks like Diablo. Kind of looks like Super Mario Bros. So it's like imagine if you could um, play an isometric eight uh, uh, bit version of all your favorite NES games, but instead of playing them, you just build them and then you don't even play them. So this is a really great game for people who are obsessed with the aesthetic of of retro gaming, but not necessarily... Honestly, this is probably the best game for most people who, uh, who claim to be NES 80s, 90s kids because this is a game where you take the aesthetic of those games and you decorate your own board game and then you don't play the game. You just talk about it and you admire the aesthetic. And maybe if you're in a rock band, you uh, you do like a an album cover that's in like an 8-bit style. Maybe you do a Hot Topic t-shirt of like a Super Mario Bro because you're just so fucking a product of your time. You can't help it. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. And then our, our next game here is called Braveland Trilogy. I don't understand why the hell they call it a trilogy. I'm looking on the screen here. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 people on... 10 people on the screen, they're calling this a trilogy. I don't think they understand that trilogy means three people. Trilogy is literally Latin for three, three humanoids, and there are 10 people on the screen. But this is a this is a, a tetrilogy where you play as 10 people and they take turns standing on hexagons. They take they they're very respectful of their space. I guess it's a game about social distancing because essentially these guys are all in their own hexagonal cubes, spheres, or hexagons. And they take turns standing on just one at a time, and they respect that. If someone's already standing on one, maybe you have to pick a different one to stand on because maintaining that six foot or forty-seven milliliters, milli, if you're a European, uh, is very critical in ensuring that we stop the spread of uh, of toxic PC gamer. And that game is Xbox One X enhanced, so you know it looks better than your GTX graphics card. Our next game is called Retro Tanks. This game is so. This game is this. Let me explain what this visually looks like to you. Retro Tanks. It's a game where you play as tanks and you shoot, and you knock each other out. I'm not going to lie about what it is, but this is like Retro Tanks, circa 1985. So this is what like people playing the NES would call retro tanks because this is literally like a quarter of a bit graphics. These like, I'm literally just looking at a green smudge mark on the screen, but nonetheless, if you like games that force your eyes to degrade and, and, and require you to wear glasses for the rest of your life, then this is the perfect game for you. Don't go play tanks, 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 which is a fun arcade tank game. Go play this piece of crap instead because it looks like shit. It plays like shit. And it's the color of shit. Literally, it's just one dark green color. This is the color of the shit you have once you've consumed too much ice cream, but you're also lactose intolerant. Congratulations, there's now a game for you. Uh, and then our final game of the week, which is just a wonderful game, is called Abduction. And it is Xbox One X Enhanced, and it's coming out on April 10th. And you know what? I'm not even going to say a bad thing about this game because 
It's perfect, beautiful 3D atmosphere. It's made by the creators of Mist, and there are no characters on the screen, so there's no direct person for me to make fun of. Uh, there, I can't make fun of someone's um, immutable characteristics. Therefore, the game itself is not fun to make fun of. So just go ahead and play Abduction. It has good graphics. It is modern. It is it is potentially depicting a post coronavirus world since there are no characters in it so maybe everyone's dead or or, or self-quarantined themselves out of existence but yeah this is probably the best game plus it looks fucking sick on an xbox one x um so yeah that's that's all the games for this week as a reminder for the, on the games with gold side uh, project cars 2 is available all month long and then we got knights of pen and paper bundle I don't know if that's related to the game we just read on the drop, um, but that's available from April 16th to May 15th. And then on the 360 side, we've got Fable Anniversary, which is available until April 15th. And then we got Toy Box Turbos, which is available from April 16th through the 30th. So definitely be sure to download all those games because we know you got nothing better going on in your life. You're stuck at home, so might as well just download some free video games. And that's going to do it for our show this week. I don't know why it went on so long. Maybe because I, I talked too much about my feelings during the first 15 minutes of the show. But nonetheless, as always, I definitely appreciate you listening. This show is strangely picking up listenership. I don't know why. This show did very well on YouTube last week. And success scares me, so I might start intentionally sabotaging the show in an effort to make you stop listening so that I won't have the expectation of of, of, of delivering a half-competent Xbox podcast on a weekly basis. And with that said, please rate the show on iTunes. Remember, iTunes is the holy grail of podcast services because literally no one gives a shit about any of the many other great podcast services where people listen to podcasts. We only care about iTunes because... Well, I guess I guess I get that from other podcasts I listen to. It just seems like people are always begging for you to rate the show on iTunes as opposed to absolutely everything else. So then I'm, I'm now I'm inclined to follow suit and just ask that you please, 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 please rate my show on iTunes. Five stars only. Even if you feel that the show is genuinely three stars, even if you feel, you know what, Jesse, you got a solid podcast, but you rant a little bit too much. Your audio quality is shoddy at best. There is some room for improvement. I'm going to continue listening, but this is just not a five-star show. Even if that's how you genuinely feel, do me a favor and rate this show five stars because I don't give a shit. I just want your five stars. I don't want your honest feedback. I just want I just want you to smile and tell me I did a good job. I, I just want a five-star rating, a pat on the back, and that is going to do it for this week's episode. I'm going to go air fry the hell out of my cat, and until next week, you guys stay safe and take it easy.